Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Well, this week we are continuing a series that we've been in for the last couple weeks. Uh, The series, I think we've got it behind me, or or maybe we will, but the series is called Good News. Good News. Uh, I shared with you, some of you were here, some were not, but uh, about three months ago when I was talking to my four-year-old Jonah, and I said, Jonah, what do you think about everything that's going on this year? I mean, it's been so crazy, and school's been different, and, and daddy's work's been different, everything's been different, right? And what do you think about that? And Jonah said, bad news, <laughs> right? <laughs> and if, if a four-year-old is processing 2020 in that way, I can only imagine uh, what, what you are processing the year like, and we need good news. And the good news is we have good news, And so we're going to continue. Uh, I I know that many of you would not have had the chance. Some of you may have had the chance. But but last week I got to host services at our John Young campus where where Pastor Danny was bringing the word. And Danny uh, honed in on something in in the story of Joseph. Joseph was the adopted father of Jesus, right? So Mary is his birth mother, his his mother, the mother who uh, gave him birth and raised him. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph is brought in to to be the physical father to Jesus. And, And Danny honed in on this idea that Joseph heard from the angel what his instructions were, and Joseph obeyed both knowing and yet not knowing. The point being that Joseph knew enough about the Lord, his faith was strong enough that when he received instruction, he said, I know this is what I need to do, even though I don't know what the result is going to be. Joseph went knowing, yet not knowing. I want to introduce a concept tonight that we're going to return to again and again, and it's this idea, expecting and not expecting. Several years ago, when my wife and I were pregnant with, I always say that wrong, when my wife was pregnant with our firstborn child, Addison, we were expecting a child. We were expecting a September 20th, 2012 delivery. That's when the due date was, that's what we were expecting. What we were were not expecting was on May 30th, for me to get a phone call at work and my wife say, baby, I need you to get home, something is going on. And within an hour, we were at Winnie Palmer Hospital Emergency Room hearing a doctor say, you're in labor. The the shock that we absorbed in that moment was cataclysmic. I mean, it was huge. And and just to fill in the story, because I often fail to do that, and people go, well, what what happened? You know, my wife held out for about five more days. We had a 24-weeker, one pound, nine ounces. She's now thriving. You might see her in the back lobby after the services. But eight years ago, my wife and I were expecting, but not expecting, right? It it didn't go the way that we had thought. And my guess is that you have been there. You came into your job with certain expectations. You did not expect what happened. You came into your marriage with great expectations. I did another wedding this week, and, and I've done probably between 40 to 50. I've done weddings for some in the room. I'm looking at you right now, but... When you do a wedding, you see these great expectations and these pledges of, you know, and especially when the bride and groom, they write their own vows, and you're like, oh, that's really cute, right? Like, 
I'm never gonna argue with you, sweetheart, right? You're just standing there like, oh boy, <laughs> right? And it's good, right? But, but they have these great expectations, but then what happens? They're not expecting what comes next. It's hard. There is arguments. There's sometimes emotional separation, misunderstandings. You can even come to a place, and some of you are in a place in your marriage where you go, I don't know if I can keep holding on. I was not expecting it to be so hard. And certainly all of us came into 2020 with expectations, right? We talked about it. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. And you, you had your word for the year, some of you. And some of you, your word for the year was joy. Oops. <laughs> right? Or it was, it was hope. Or it was stability. Right? And you're going, man, I missed, well, I'll just tell you my word was disrupt. So I knew something maybe that you didn't know, but, but you expected certain things. Or maybe you had a New Year's resolution and you were going to you know, do all these great things. And then 2020 hit us upside the head and we weren't expecting what came next. As we think about the Christmas season, I, I want to anchor what we are talking about tonight. I want to anchor the message tonight in this idea that, that when Jesus came to the earth, first century Israel, this was a time for the Jewish people where their dreams had been broken, their, their, their land was occupied by Roman soldiers. Places that they claimed as their own were, were owned by someone else. And those people told them where they could go and what they could do and, and how much they could have. And they were living under that control. But even in the midst of those broken dreams, there was a profound sense of expectation on the part of the people of Israel. So what did they expect? Well, here's what they expected. Somebody's coming. The prophets talked about it. They told us the Messiah is coming and he's going to deliver us. He's going to rescue us. He's going to restore the fortunes of Israel. And, and, and the world of first century Israel was filled with this expectation Part of the reason that I know that is because right around the time that Jesus came, we know there were several people who came claiming to be the Messiah. The gospel writers tell us this. And some of those guys got a huge following behind them. Why did that happen? Because people were ready. And when somebody came and said, I'm the promised one, they, they went for it. In fact, even John the Baptist, John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 verse 15, this is what it says about him. The, the people of Israel were looking to him in Luke 3 15. Get that up on the screen. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ. That, that, that word just means the Messiah, the deliverer, the promised one. They were all in expectation, they were all hoping the Messiah was right around the corner. And speaking of corners, at this same time in a remote, remote corner of Israel in a place called Nazareth, a young girl named Mary was also expecting, wasn't she? She was pregnant with her firstborn son. Mary is expecting her first child. The people of Israel are expecting the Messiah. But what nobody understood was that those two expectations were one and the same. No one could have fathomed that. The people were expecting and not expecting. 
And so we come to Luke chapter 2, the great Christmas passage. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn there. We're also going to have it on the TV screen behind me. Luke chapter 2, and I want to read for you the first few verses here. Luke is a historian. He's actually a non-Jewish man who has gotten eyewitness accounts of what happened in the life of Jesus. He recorded those in a book called Luke. This is how it begins. Luke 2, verses 1 through 3. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. You leave it up for just a second. What you would expect from a historian like Luke is to see names like Caesar Augustus and Quirinius and uh, nations like Syria. This was what would have been expected for a historian. It would be similar to somebody telling the story of what's happening in Florida in 2020 and telling us who the president at the time was and who the governor at the time was or maybe the mayor. And we would go, well, that makes sense. A historical record would include the important people and the important places, right? But then Luke does this, verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Time out for just a second. Because if you lived at the time, right, of these events, you would say, Luke, why are you talking about somebody named Joseph and somebody named Mary? And why in the world are you talking about podunk towns like Nazareth and Bethlehem? This was not where the story was supposed to happen. These were the least likely people in the most obscure places. And yet 2,000 years later, we know that those unexpected people in those unexpected places were the story. Right? They were the story. That is where God's redemptive plan was unfolding. And there's a lesson in this. Don't miss what you're expecting because it comes in a way you didn't expect. Don't miss what you were expecting because it came in a way you didn't expect. Husbands, this happens to us all the time. (laughs) Wife says, hey, go grab my thing, whatever it is in, in the room, and you go in and it's a blue bag. And you walk right past the brown bag, right? And you walk out and you say, it's not there. I got a text from somebody last night. They said, sometimes I hide things from my husband by moving them three inches to the left, right? Like, <laughs> we're, when you're expecting it to be a certain way, it can, it can be right next. You can walk right past it and miss it because it came in a way you didn't expect. Earlier this week, the, the staff team was discussing how we met our spouses. Uh, by the way, all of us, there's five of us, I think, if I'm counting right, all of us met our spouse at church or through somebody from our church. So, and two of us met on blind dates, but we have very similar stories. But we were unpacking these, and the question came up, is the person you married the person you kind of would have expected to marry? And for many of us, the answer is, nah, it's not. Right? Ladies, didn't you create a list when you were single? I see, yeah, I know you did. You created a list, and it had all the things that your husband was going to be, and guess what? He probably hit a couple of the important ones, but he probably didn't hit a lot, right? Right? Because you weren't expecting, you were hopeful. You're thinking, man, I, 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 I want to be married. I hope to find the right guy. I hope to find the right girl. But then that person comes along, and if you're not careful, you can miss them because it was not what you expected. 
Well, there was another cast of unexpected characters that are involved in the Christmas story. I want to tell you about a group of guys called shepherds that were outside of Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We're not going to read the verses, but their story is in verse 8 to 14. And, And these individuals, one night, are out with their sheep doing shepherd things, right? Smelling like sheep. And all of a sudden, the sky bursts with light, and angels appear, and they bring a really good news message. They say the prophecies are being fulfilled, and it's happening right around the corner from you. And and so these angels get this incredible good news message. The, The child is here. The Messiah has arrived. The one you've expected has finally come So I'm going to answer this question with us tonight. What do you do with good news like that? What what do you do when good news intercepts your life in that way? And here's the first thing you do. I'm going to give you three. The first thing you do is this. You go. Look at Luke 2, verse 14 to 16. Read that with me. Or sorry, 15 and 16. Uh, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Very first words out of the shepherd's mouth when the angels leave is this, let us what? Go. Let us go go. There is a principle that is consistent through all scripture. I'll I'll show it to you in just a moment. But the principle is simply this. When God shows up, people move. When God shows up, people move. It happened to Abraham. When God showed up and said, Abraham, leave the things you're familiar with. Leave your home and your family and your country and go to the land I'll show you. And it says that Abraham went. God shows up in a burning bush to Moses and says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people what? Go. There's movement in the story of Moses. And then Isaiah. God says to Isaiah, who will I send and who will what? Go for us. And Isaiah says, Lord, here am I. Send me. Jonah goes to Nineveh. It's consistent throughout Scripture. God has a history of choosing unexpected people in unexpected places to move with him as he works in the world. This is exactly what God did through Jesus to those 12 men that followed him in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Verse 19, we'll start at, verse 19 says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is essentially the last instruction that Jesus is going to give to his 12 disciples, and he's going to say, guys, you need to go with this good news message and go into all the world. Go to the ends of the earth. So here's what's really interesting. You have Jesus, the day that he appears in the world for the first time as a baby, and the shepherds know, we got to go. We got to take this good news message somewhere. And in one of Jesus' last moments on the earth, before he ascends to heaven, what's he doing? Commissioning another group of guys to go with the gospel message to the world. Now, notice the contrast here. Jesus is going to send the 12 disciples to the uttermost parts of the earth. I think that's how King James says it. Some of you memorized it that way. To the ends of the earth, the uttermost. But you know where the shepherds had to go? About a mile away. 
about a mile away. So both are moving. Everybody's going. The question isn't how far you go. The question is where has God called you to go? We're going to unpack that a little bit more in a moment. Austin, our director of missional communities, sent me um, an email with some things he was talking with our group leaders about. But there was a quote in that email uh, that Austin sent me. It's from a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Rosario Butterfield is the author. It's a very simple thing, but she says this, God never gets the address wrong. <laughs> he never gets the address wrong. The home you live in that, that you moved into is where you're supposed to be. And the neighbors on either side of you and across from you, they're the neighbors who are supposed to be there, whether you like it or not. God doesn't get the address wrong. God has placed you there for a reason. So some of you will be called to go to the ends of the earth. Some of you, I believe, maybe in this room, are going to be called to literally move and leave what's comfortable and go to a foreign place. But all of us have been called to go with the good news of Jesus to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our family, and to our friends. The principle is simply this, wherever you are, go there. Wherever you are, go there. Here, here's something else you do with the good news. Number two, you tell. You tell. Uh, look at Luke 2. Again, we're going to pick it up at verse uh, 17. When they, the shepherds, saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Uh, notice here in the passage what the shepherds did. It says, they made known the saying and what the shepherds told them. They didn't just go with the good news message, they spoke the message. This is in keeping with what I talked to you guys about a few weeks ago. That yes, we've got to demonstrate the gospel by our lifestyle, but at some point, the good news is a message that has to be spoken and told, right? And the shepherds understood that. When they showed up at the stable, they, they spoke the message that was given to them. They told what had happened to them. Now, I want to pause for a second and consider the absolute absurdity of what is happening in the stable on this day, right? If you were, and not that anyone would be, but if you were asked to consult God on how to get the good news message to the earth, what you might say is, God, here's my plan. There's this guy called Augustus Caesar, and he's really famous and he's really powerful. And if you would just show up to him, man, the whole Roman Empire would know pretty quickly. God says, yeah, don't like that idea. You say, okay, well, here, here's another one. There's these guys, you know, around this time, and, and th their names are like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, and there's these just brilliant Greek philosophers. And man, everybody's listening to what they have to say. And if you would just give the good news to these guys, they're so wise, and everybody would listen. And God says, no, nah, I, don't, I don't like that plan. G give me something else. You say, okay, here it is. I know you got, you know, we got the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they're real involved, right? So just the Jewish high priest, right? We'll, we'll just focus it right there. We'll give him the good news. And then at least all the Jewish people will know. God says, no, 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 no. Here, how about this? There's a band of shepherds outside of Bethlehem. I think I'm going to start there. And you would say, okay, Lord, <laughs> right? But you would be thinking, this is crazy. This is absurd. This is not the people to get the good news Two, there could not have been a group less likely for a God-sized assignment than these shepherds outside of Bethlehem. But here's what the shepherds did, and it's very, very simple. They made known to others 
what God had made known to them. That's it. There was nothing special about them. There was nothing significant about them. In fact, if anything, they were the very bottom of the totem pole, but they were faithful to do this one simple thing. God made known to us, we're gonna make known to others. So they go first to Joseph and Mary. This is cool to me because think about how encouraging this would have been for Joseph and Mary. Remember, they have had their own visits from angels, both of them, affirming that this child was going to be the Messiah. But I don't know if it's anything like this in your home. Sometimes my wife and I have ideas and, and nobody else has the ideas and I'm going, are we crazy? <laughs> right? We've got to check this with somebody else. Or we'll think like, man, our kids are just spectacular kids. They're, they're really the best kids, you know? But it's like, all of a sudden these shepherds show up and they go, no, 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 it's true. <laughs> this kid, we just heard he's the Messiah. Can you imagine? I mean, think about Joseph and Mary. How encouraging. They've had this long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They've had a very long night, I'm guessing, of a really hard labor for Mary. And all of a sudden these shepherds show up and they say, hey guys, it's all true. There is something special about this child and this, this night that's so chaotic and crazy and we sing, you know, silent night. It was not a silent night, right? It, it, was, it was chaos. It was mayhem. And yet what an encouragement for Mary and Joseph. I think it's why Luke tells us in verse 19 that Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. She, she treasured it up. It was like taking it in. It's like that moment. I'll sometimes do this with a bride and groom at a wedding. Just say, hey, just for a second, just take this in. Just look around, look at each other, like this is going to go quick, but take in the moment. Mary is taking in this moment with the shepherds there. In fact, I didn't learn this until this week. Did you know that commentators believe that it was Mary who gave these details to Luke? Now think about it. Who else? We, we don't even know who the shepherds were. And I can pretty much guarantee you Luke wouldn't have been able to find them, Right? Joseph has passed away. Jesus has already ascended into heaven. Where did Luke learn the information? Well, remember, Luke traveled with Paul, the apostle, and they were in Ephesus at one point where Pastor John, the disciple, was taking care of Jesus' mother, Mary. They think Luke told this directly to Mary. Let me add one other detail that I thought was really interesting. This is also why of all of the places that are located in the Bible, that people can visit now in Israel, Jerusalem, and in the different places, one place there's no question about is where Jesus was born. Because in the first generation, people were already going to visit it, and no mother forgets where she had her child. Right? So Mary's treasuring these things up, and this is going to stick with her for a lifetime, but for now, she's just going to hold it here. Why? Because one day she's going to tell the story. One day, like the shepherds are telling, she's going to tell the story of this child. Here's the lesson for us. The story of God at work in your life can be a massive encouragement to others who are trying to do the work of God in their life, right? The first message was not one of evangelism. It wasn't go to the ends of the earth. It was go to Joseph and Mary and affirm to them that what they're experiencing is of God and it is worth it and it is going to be a beautiful and incredible story. And I love that. And then the shepherds go to the people and in their towns, it says in verse 18 that all who heard it wondered. So this isn't just a few people. They're telling everybody. They're probably waking people up. They're, not, they're like, guys, you're not going to believe what happened to us tonight in this pasture, this news we have received. 
Second lesson is this, the story of God, uh, the story of how God has worked in your life can point others to saving faith in Jesus, right? That, that was their message, the Messiah came. His name's Jesus, we, we've seen him, he's just a baby, but he's gonna grow up and the, the good news is here, it's arrived. And, and this is maybe one more lesson from this part of, of the message. The good news is not meant to come to you only, but also to come through you to the world. Can you imagine if one of those shepherds, and let's just call him George. Can you imagine if one of those shepherds, the guys are like, man, let's go to Bethlehem. The angels showed up. We got to go. And what if one of the guys was like, I'm not going to Bethlehem. That's too far. I'm out. Man. Or, or my wife's got dinner and I'm clocking out. I'm going home, right? Like, can you imagine somebody not going? Doesn't that seem absurd? And yet, we have the good news message. Does it ever seem absurd that we're not willing to go and to tell and to share? By the way, we have the completed good news message of the baby that grew up and that stretched out his arms on a Roman cross and bled and died to atone for our sins, to cover the penalty of our sins and then rose again on the third day opening the door to heaven so that we could come in by faith and have a relationship with God. Like, we have the whole story. How absurd is it not to go and not to tell the good news to others? One final thing that happens when you receive good news. First, you go. Second, you tell. Third, you worship. You worship. Luke 2, verse 20, the passage we're in ends this way. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Glorifying and praising God. Now, I do not think that these shepherds uh, ran to the synagogue to do that, right? They didn't book a flight to Jerusalem to go to the temple. Like, this wasn't a formal, okay, we're, we're going to stand and we're going to have a time of singing. This is not the kind of glorifying and praising these shepherds were doing. These shepherds were running and dancing and screaming and going, ah, he's here. Glory, worship, praise was just, just coming from them, like just, just profoundly. And, and, and in fact, notice where it says, it says they returned, the shepherds returned. So you go, well, where did they return to? For one, to the fields, and secondly, to the towns they came from. In other words, when this massive interruption came to the shepherds, they got this incredible good news. The message was profoundly impacting, but they went right back to the places they were from. They didn't disrupt everything in their life and go, okay, well, now we got to become priests. No, they stayed shepherds and they proclaimed the good news to the people that were in their lives. John Piper says that the glory of God is man fully alive. Man fully alive, to, 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 to be full of the image of God in us and the, full of the purposes and the mission and the plans of God is the glory of God. And I think that's what's happening for these shepherds. They've never had a message like this. They've never had a purpose like this. They've never had hope like this. And they're fully alive with the glory and the worship of God. Some of you are football fans, and you know that those who play football, really any sport, spend all week, all you know, off-season, what are they doing? They're training for that moment when they're going to hit the field and they're gonna, it's going to be game day, right? And as I reflect on these things and this idea about worshiping God, I go, man, have we fallen into as a church or as Christians, have we fallen into treating church like it's a Sunday to Sunday event or, or sport? 
And we're like, oh, we're gearing up all week because, man, Sunday's coming. And what I want to gently remind you as believers, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, is that when you've received the good news, every day is game day. You can be a shepherd in Bethlehem, you can be a carpenter, you can be a fisherman, you can be a IRS agent or, or a theme park worker or, or a business owner or whatever it is, but if you follow Jesus, every day is an opportunity to take the good news to those who desperately need to hear it. I want to close in this way, and, and I want to give a quick plug for something. I don't often plug things. Um, I was going to show you the video, but we have a copyright issue that I can't. How many of you guys are following or have watched some of The Chosen? It's a show about the life of Jesus. Anybody watching that yet? Okay, I want to encourage you, man. We, we've kind of gotten our feet wet in it, not gone fully in yet. Um, but the, the individuals that make that series, it's a, it's a show on the life of Jesus. Really, really well done, really biblical. Uh, but they did a Christmas special that just came out, and the special is called The Shepherd, and they show, it's about a 21-minute short film that depicts these shepherds in that moment where they heard this good news message and ran to the stable. And I watched this with, um, I think it was Olivia earlier this week, my six-year-old, my seven-year-old, and, um, and we were watching this, and, and the very end of, of the show, the very end of this short film, it's this powerful moment. The shepherds, one of them has gotten to hold like the baby Jesus, and he gives the baby back to Joseph and Mary, and he asks, what, what is his name? And Joseph and Mary look at each other, and then Mary nods, she goes, his name is Jesus. And the shepherd stands, and he turns toward the door, and he turns back, he goes, people must know. People must know, and he walks out. And I thought, man, how true, how true. People must know the good news, that one has come, he's delivered us from our sins, that God holds nothing against us anymore. The way of heaven is wide open through faith in Jesus the Messiah. This Christmas season, there is no better message. Any season, there is no better message than this. We have the hope. We have the message. So here's the question I want to end with. What is one way you can share the good news this week so someone in your life can have an opportunity to know Jesus? Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.